Well, my phone says it's 1.31, so I think we'll go ahead and get started. I am Ann Conley, and I'm the supervisor of the School Nursing and Early Childhood Health at the Ohio Department of Health. I have been there for, I think, something like 14 years. So as we go through um, this presentation, I'm going to talk more about the theory of what we are doing and what school nurses do, and that my colleague, Joan Helenemas, Right here, she's the president of the Ohio Association of School Nurses, and she's a practicing school nurse in Kettering City School. She can tell you more about that when, about herself when it's her turn to talk. So I'm the theory, she's the practice. She's the one who's in the schools every day doing, doing the work. So with that, and you can see both our information up here. So with that, I'm gonna go ahead and get started, and let's see if I can work the technology, maybe. So you can, I, I tell you, I'm used to being able to roam around, so I may have trouble being, being yoked here. Sorry, <laughs> I'm a roamer. So what, ideally, at the end of this presentation, what, you're going, what you will be able to do is you will be able to describe the role of the school nurse in Ohio schools. You will be able to describe the importance of providing care to the whole child. And you will be able to describe the value of school nurses in the school environment. So I know this is a mental health, socio-emotional learning conference, and we're going to talk about how school nurses fit into that overall work that's done in the school. So who exactly are school nurses? The National Association of School Nurses is a membership organization for school nurses around the country, thus national, and uh, they do a lot of work as far as promoting school nursing and defining school nursing and creating school or resources for school nurses. They have a lot of policies and uh, uh, they have some other words for what their papers are, but they put together little papers that describe uh, school nursing and what the role of the school nurse is. So the official definition from NASN from 2017 is school nursing is a specialized practice of nursing and it protects and promotes student health, facilitates optimal development, and advances academic success. School nurses provide care coordination, advocate for quality student-centered care, and collaborate to design systems that allow individuals and communities to develop their full potential. So I know a lot of the, the last half of that is very nursey kind of language as far as we are providing care coordination, patient-centered care. But the beginning of that should, I hope, resonate with all of uh, everyone who works in schools. So we are uh, protecting and promoting student health. Kids who are not healthy cannot learn anything. If a child is sitting there with a toothache, they're not going to be able to, to uh, participate in class. If they have, um, if some awful thing went on at home last night and they didn't sleep or they witnessed some violent event, that's going to affect their ability to concentrate and learn today. So again, uh, we protect and promote student health, facilitate optimal development. Again, those kiddos coming into school need to be able to function and develop appropriately so that 
that they can continue to learn, and then advance academic success. Really, that's why schools or nurses have been in schools from the beginning. At the very beginning of the school nursing movement, school uh, nurses were invited to come into the school setting. In I, I won't bore you with the history of school nursing. I'm just going to give you the thumbnail. But uh, they were invited to come into the schools in New York City because they had such high absenteeism. And within a few months, they had proven their worth. And so school nurses continued this to this day to work in schools to help keep students healthy and in school so that they can learn. So again, that's who school nurses are, sort of the bird's eye view. In Ohio specifically, school, school nurses are dual licensed, meaning that we are all licensed by the Ohio Board of Nursing. So we are all RNs with a registered nurses licensed with the Ohio Board of Nursing. And then we are have a secondary license from the Ohio Department of Education as a pupil services uh, professional or a related services worker. Sometimes you hear both of those terms used for, for who we are and what bucket we fit into in the school setting. So I actually would like to pause for a second and find out who all of you are. I know we have some school nurses. Who are school nurses who are here? Oh, quite a lot of you. Actually, a big percentage of the, the room. How many are school psychologists? None. How many are teachers? Okay, one. Administrators? Okay, good. Is there anybody I missed? Oh, LPN, okay. A librarian. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Sounds good. So thank you all for sharing. That does help a little bit knowing who we're talking to. So a lot of you already know a lot of what I just said, so I apologize if I'm saying I, I'm preaching to the choir for some folks. Um, so again, uh, the, school, the licensed school nurse in the state of Ohio is an RN who's taken additional coursework at, master, at the master's level and then uh, gotten a secondary license with the Ohio Department of Education. So today, what I'm going to talk about, as I mentioned, I'm going to be talking about the theory part. So I'm going to be talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, most of you will know that. Maybe not the librarian. Sorry. I may be, this may be new. <laughs> uh, public health prevention, which actually does fit in with the school model, as we'll talk about. Holistic nursing theory, resiliency theory, and the whole school, whole community, whole child theory or model. And hopefully you're all familiar with that last one. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we go along, obviously. But um, that is something that uh, is recommended that all schools think about. So let's look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So in the 1940s, Abraham Maslow put this model together. And it's hierarchical, meaning that in this pyramid, in order for people of any, of any age to be successful, they need to meet whatever need is on the bottom and then step up to the next one. So as you look at this, physical, the need for air, water, food, rest, and health. None of us, including students in schools, none of us can be successful and really do anything else unless we can breathe, unless we can eat, unless we can sleep. We need to have those basic physiological needs met in order to be successful. So once we've got those needs met, apparently we've all done that today because we're here. So once we've got those needs met, 
we move up to security. So all people have the need for safety, security, and stability. So ideally at schools, the students coming into school come to a place where it's safe, they have shelter, and it's stable. That's for many children, I, I know you know this and I'm preaching to the choir again, but um, for many children, school is their safe place. So this is something that you are providing in the school setting for them. The next, so we've got those two bottom tiers met. Then you move on to social, the need for being loved, belonging, and inclusion. Again, you may be the one stable person in that child's life as they come into school. So it's important that you be available to them and you be able to help them. And this is where you get into bullying and those kinds of things. That's the opposite of this. You want kids to feel safe and included and uh, belong, so that they, like they belong. Then we get into something, to the higher areas that not all of us have managed this morning or ever. So ego, the need for self-esteem, power, recognition, and prestige. Some people spend their entire lives reaching for, trying to get to this level. And then self-actualization. We hope we all get to self-actualization. And that's where we have needed, uh, it's the need for development and creativity. So I suspect a lot of you are here because you are here learning and then you go to work and you do a lot of creative work and you help support other folks on this level. So that's Maslow, that's the thumbnail view of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Let's look at then something similar. This I found on Twitter. So, you know, it's the, the absolute verifiable, most important, valid resource on the face of the earth. But I thought it was pretty cool. And it talks specifically about what the students, the, the, the Maslow's hierarchy of school needs specifically. I'm trying to see where I can read this best. Neither place is actually very good. So as you look across, it's the same pyramid with the same basic ideas. But phys So physical here, physiological, the students need to have their basic needs met. They, um, they've ha have they had breakfast? Do they have clean clothing, a safe place to go home? Are they able to sleep? And again, we all know that there are students who don't have that. Safety, emotional and physical safety. Do they have um, clear schools and class routines, access to counselors, to the nurse? It's okay to take risks. So again, we set that, that environment for students. Belonging, they are there at school furnishing, students are there at school furnishing, actually adults are doing the same thing, but we're focusing on the kids. So they're forming relationships, uh, advisory, finding adult role models, friendship groups, peer relationships, that's something that is important. We all know that's, that's where kids live, that's their social arena. Esteem, they should have a positive uh, classroom culture, with positive feedback, time for reflection, encouragement to take risks again, and then self-actualization, they are able to learn. So um, that's where we want all of their students to get to. So they are able to learn. Again, this is the spectrum of prevention. This is another way to look at things. So as we're thinking about how to prevent bad outcomes for any person, but as particularly students, we want to make sure that we are strengthening individual knowledge and skills. That's why you all are here. Promoting community education. 
uh, educating providers, uh, fostering coalitions and networks, changing organizational practices, and influencing policy and legislation. If you want to get anything done in any kind of a community or of any kind, whether it's the school community or a larger community that's supporting your school, um, you need to have all of these kinds of things in place. Sometimes, it, sometimes people find it particularly challenging when you get to the um, uh, the policy level, influencing policy and legislation, that can be challenging, both at the school level and when you think of that na that uh, state and national, well, even local level when you're influencing legislation. That can be particularly challenging. But all of these things are necessary as far as um, of public health prevention. And the idea behind public health prevention is that you want to avoid Thing, bad things happening. You don't want to come in afterwards. You don't want to come in on your white horse afterwards and rescue people. What we really want to do is prevent bad things from happening in the first place. So this is that in public health, what we talk about is primary, secondary, and tertiary prevention, as you can see here. Uh, so the bottom blue, I, apparently everything I'm working talking about today starts at the bottom. So the bottom darkest blue area is, as you can see on this side, the well population, health promotion, and addressing risk factors. Um, social and genetic factors. So this is when you work with well people to help them stay well. Secondary prevention is the screening of, risk of, the, of an at-risk individual, control of risk factors, and early intervention. So this is when you go looking at the population to see who might have an issue, depend, no matter what kind of issue it is, whether it's mental health, physical health, any of those kinds of things. So this is when you do the screening to find them. Once they are identified, then you move up into tertiary prevention, which is where you've identified someone who has a need, and then you do an intervention for that. So these are all considered, these are different levels of prevention. Those of you who work in the school, I bet this looks familiar to you. Does it look a little bit like MTSS? I would suspect it looks like multi-tiered systems of support because it's basically the same thing. The bottom is where you provide a lot of education and support for every student in the school. The second level is where you identify kids who have needs and then uh, figure out how to move them up into tertiary prevention and provide specific one-on-one -on -one care for those students who have needs. So public health and schools are really not all that much different, are they? Next, I'm going to talk about holistic nursing theory. And um, this is, so we're changing streams, changing horses in the middle of this stream. Holistic nursing, nursing theory. A lot of times people think that nurses are people who work in hospitals and start IVs and give you medicine. And that's not all that nurses are. We do much, much more than that. Again, as we work in public health, we work in communities in general, we work in schools. And there's, we have a, nurses have a very holistic view of the health of people, of, again, adults or children both. Holistic nursing theory specifically addresses the whole person, the mind, the body, the spirit, the environment, and the emotions. So that's something that we all do. We, uh, we have had training to help address all of these things. We don't profess to be the expert in every single solitary one of them, but we are educated to know about them and be able to either intervene on our own or refer people to the experts if they need additional help. And you can see at the bottom, it's grounded in caring, relationships, 
and an in and interconnectedness. So that's one of the things that school nurses bring to your school building. One of the great things I loved, I also used to work in the schools. I, as I said, I've been at ODH for a while, but I used to work in the schools and I loved that role of being the school nurse because you were that person who was not going to give them an F on their test. You were not going to, you know, depending on if they misbehaved, you might intervene then, but if they were, you know, you're a nice, safe person who can be happy to see them. Uh, they can pop in and say hi. They can come in and share information with you about their new baby brother or sister or their concerns about their 40-year-old pregnant mother and, you know, all of those kinds of things. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity that we have to make relationship with students, whether they're sick or not. So that when they, again, if you go back to those triangles with the prevention, we establish those relate. Honestly, I love doing screenings because you see every kid in the school. You touch every single student in the school, checking their hearing and vision. So you you meet all of them, see all of them, in addition to the importance of getting uh, eyewear and, and hearing appliances as needed. That's obviously important. But it's a we have a great opportunity to share, to make that connection with students. Resiliency theory um, is, again, this is, I know this has a lot of words on this slide. It's overall, a not, this is not limited to nurses. Uh, it's a conceptual framework for considering a strengths-based approach. So ideally, um, again, if you think about those layers of prevention, we want to address and promote positive experiences, positive relationships, and resiliency, not just come in, again, we don't, we'd rather prevent than have to come in and rescue. So we work with resiliency theory. Resiliency theory addresses why some youth grow up to be healthy adults in spite of the risks, because we all know kids who come from horrendous backgrounds and yet are successful. And what makes those, those students successful or those adults, how they grow up into those successful adults? So that's resiliency and we want to enhance that and support that. It focuses on positive contextual, social and individual variables that interfere or disrupt developmental trajectories. So it really affects all sorts, all facets. Remember if you go back to the, the, the holistic nursing theory when you talk about the body, mind, spirit, all of those things can either be helpful to the student or be hindered in the student. So we want to address all of those things and and support the positive. Positive contextual, social, and individual barrier variables are called promotive factors that operate in opposition to risk factors. So we want to reduce the risk factors and increase the promotive factors for all students. Uh, and it does specifically, this resiliency theory does specifically address two types of promotive factors, one of which is assets, and this is what the students bring to the table. They have factors such as self-efficacy and self-esteem, so they bring that to the table. And then resources are those of us who are here, all of us, including school nurses. The external factors such as parental support, adult mentors, and youth programs that provide youth with opportunities to learn and practice skills. So that's everybody here who's going to be working with students. And finally, the last theory that I'm going to talk about is the whole student, whole child, whole community uh, model. How many are familiar with this? 
most of you, but not all. So let's talk about this a minute. So this was created by ASCD and the CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and they worked together a number of years ago, actually now, to develop this model. And as you look at this, the student is at the center, and then around that you want, and again, some of these words you'll recognize from all of the things that I've already shown you. The student is surrounded by the green band that is the that shows healthy, safe, engaged, supported, and challenged students. That's what we want all of those students to be. We want them all to be healthy. We want them all to be safe and engaged and challenged and supported. Around that, then the white band is coordinating policy, process, and practice. So again, we already talked about how sometimes those policies and practices practices can be challenging to get in place, but the goal is to get those in place so it's not just your particular initiative or your particular initiative, it gets to be part of the practice of the school. Unfortunately, I think we probably all have been in schools where there's been a teacher who had a passion about a particular project and put all of this wonderful stuff in place, and then they leave. They have a baby and move or move away or do something, and then all of those things that that teacher promoted fall by the wayside because they weren't put in place by policy. So it's important to move these, these wonderful ideas, these wonderful practices that folks come up with into policy so they are sustainable. So then, as you look around, the, the next layer is blue, and there are lots of different sections on here. Um, and I'll talk about them more specifically in a minute, but these are all the different parts of the school that help support that student there at the min, in, in the middle. And but th So that's school. The blue is what's going on at school. And then the yellow wings, I always think of those as wings, are what the community is doing to help support the school and what they're doing. So you immediately think of schools or school nurses as being part of health services, of course. Now that's where you send the student if they have a sore throat, or that's who does the vision and hearing screening, or whatever. So those are the sorts of things. The health services are what the school nurses specifically work on. But as you look at the rest of these, whoops, sorry, I hit the wrong button. As you look at the rest of these, the school nurse really is involved in virtually every, or can be involved in virtually every other square. So we have counseling, psych psychological and social services. It's great if your school nurse and your guidance counselor or the social worker can work together. That's really ideal. Uh, social emotional climate, again, the nurse has a role in helping support the positive social emotional uh, climate. Physical environment, this can be um, not only what's going on in the playground, is there enough mulch, um, when the health department comes in and inspects to see what chemicals are there, it may be that the nurse is the one who keeps the MDSS sheets, I think that's the right letters, um, so the, they can be involved with that. Employee wellness. Employees need to be well in order to be available to help students with the work that they need to do. So depending on the school and the school nurse and what's in policy, sometimes school nurses provide a lot of care specifically to the teachers also and other staff. Family engagement. Any child that gets sent home sick from school, guess who has engaged with them? The school nurse. The school nurse has called that family and said, I have a concern, I'm gonna, you need to come pick up so-and-so. There's a problem with that. So school nurses engage with families absolutely all the time. 
that's that's one way they can do it. They can also participate in other manners that the school system has put in place, other programs that the school system has put in place specifically about family engagement. Uh, let's see, where are we? Community, whatever that word is. <laughs> but school nurses can work also in the community. One of the great things that school nurses can do, or if what schools can do, is bring the community into the school, into the school, and then the school nurses can work with them to help make sure that everybody understands why kids need to be immunized, or how to do CPR, or how to wash your hands if during flu season. So any of those kinds of things, um, the school nurse can help with that. Health education. In some schools, again, depending on the school, in some schools, it's always the school nurse who does that. How your body is changing course for school for the kids. So um, that's, a, that's a common thing that, that school nurses can do. I know when I was in the schools, one of the things that I did is I went into the um, uh, home ec classroom and talked about uh, some skills that kids needed when they were babysitting. You know, if there are what sort of red flags, how to do some very, very basic first aid about putting on a Band-Aid and if the, if the child that they're babysitting falls off their head and gets a, or falls off a swing and gets a head bump, what should they do? So you can help with those kinds of things. Physical education and physical activity, uh, it's great. It's always wonderful to have a good, solid relationship between the school nurse and either the P and the PE teacher, the, the athletic director, any of the coaches, particularly if you have children who have, for instance, asthma. Really, everybody needs to know about that and what, what the child looks like if they're having a problem, what to do if they're having a problem, how they should or should not be interacting or participating in different things. Or if you have a student who has asthma who just had the flu, maybe they should sit out the next track meet. So that is a, that's an important partnership also. And nutrition uh, and environmental services. So I, I I know when I, again, was in the schools, my favorite partners were the people who were in the cafeteria because they would come down and say to me, you know that girl who's the diabetic? Well, she didn't get any, any cookies, but her three friends each got her a cookie and gave it to her and she ate it at lunch. So just thought maybe you should know that. So it's important that the school nurse work with all of the different facets of the school, all those different school personnel to help with keeping the whole school, whole community, and whole child healthy. Um, there is, the, the Ohio Department of Education is working on developing an Ohioized WISC model so I know that I've been on that committee that's been working on that. So um, I don't think it's going to be a huge lot different than this, but it's going to be Ohio-wise. should be coming soon. So just letting you know that that is something to keep your eyes open for. One last thing, and then I'll turn this over to Joan. So school nurses and behavioral health. Again, that's more or less the theme of this conference. So how do school nurses work with behavioral health? So again, I already mentioned who the National Association of School Nurses is. They state that school nurses serve a vital role in promoting positive behavioral health outcomes in students through evidence-based programs and curricula in schools and communities. Behavioral health, I'm really I'm not going to read everything on this slide to you because I know it's got a lot of words on there. But I think the third paragraph down is members of the interdisciplinary team 
I already mentioned that about how they should be working with the guidance counselor, with the social worker, with other, with teachers, with parents as needed. Um, the school nurses coordinate with everybody in the school to help keep the student healthy and able to learn. And then they, school nurses, again, as, as people who already engage with parents, they can follow up. I don't want to say easily, but they can follow up with families to make, to make sure, check in and see how things are going with the, the family and the student. And often, school nurses are the first ones who see kids with behavioral health issues. When the student comes to see the school nurse every day at third period because maybe they're having trouble with math and they're not too happy about that, that's a red flag that can be addressed, that the school nurse can bring to that interdisciplinary team to be addressed. Or if the, the student comes at the end of the day because, you know, in all honesty, they don't really want to go home because they don't feel safe there. That's another, that's a red flag that needs to be addressed. I had, I had one student who suddenly like discovered that I was there and she would come in every day at her lunch break and said, oh, I have a headache, can I have a Tylenol? Well, this was all new behavior and so I got into, you know, went on a couple of days, got in touch with her parents and said, she can come in and just say hi, that's okay. And that's what happened then. She did not have to come in and pretend that she had an illness to get out of something or to just see a friendly face. So again, you um, often, school nurses are often the first people to see that student who has the, the ongoing stomach ache or the ongoing headache or those kinds of things and then can work with that inter interdisciplinary team to address that student's needs. So with that, I'm going to stop talking about theory and I'm going to pass this over to Joan, as I said, who's in the school every day. Do you want that here or do you want to hold it? Um, I'll probably hold it because I'm a mover too. <laughs> It'd be nice if it were about a foot long. Hi, my name is Joan Helenamaz. That's a mouthful for my last name. Um, it's Czech. So um, I married into it. So I have had to get used to saying it myself. I am a full-time school nurse. I work at Kettering City Schools in Southwest Ohio. Um, I've been a school nurse since in Ohio since 2002. So I'm going on about my 18th year as a school nurse in Ohio. Um, it's the best nursing job I've had um, in my career as a school nurse for, or as a nurse for almost 30 years. So um, just, I'm hoping that I can show you some of that passion that I have for school nursing as I talk here. Uh, what, um, I work in a middle school in, in Kettering City School District. Uh, my middle school is a campus setting. There are seven buildings on the campus and we have about 1,100 students. And I'm the one and only school nurse for that campus. And I'm sure some of you in here that are school nurses <laughs> probably have a larger patient load than that. I know that's large, but I know many of us have much larger patient loads than that or student loads. So what I'm going to do is, um, in the next 20 minutes or so, take all those theories and concepts and um, ideas that Ann just shared with you and show you how those are put in practice in a school district and in a, in a middle school, just so that gives you an idea of maybe something you can do at your school um, or your school district. 
So Kettering City Schools, about uh, three years ago, it was time for us to develop a new strategic plan moving forward. So one of the concepts that we decided to put into this strategic plan is the whole child concept. So one of the five goals is um, about the whole child. And um, as you can see here, this is what our goal is. Our district and schools will attend to the needs of our students and staff above and beyond educational requirements to remove roadblocks to student and staff success. So one thing I want you to think about, you know, as we move through this, let me see if I can get this. Was the clicker thing not working? I guess not. Okay. <laughs> Did we move down one? Either to the right or to Okay. Let's see. Let me see. So you can go that way or that way. It's not going though. Oh. Well, never mind. I lied. I don't know what the problem is. Okay. I'll come around and there. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. I think we're good. Okay. So one thing I want you to think about as we go through this why it's so important to consider the whole child. Think of yourself as an adult that goes to work every day. If your physical and emotional and social needs are not all in sync, how hard is it for you to do your job? It's no different for our students. They're coming to school every day and they're trying to hold that all together and they don't have the life experience we all have to manage those things. So this is such an important concept and I'm so happy that we're as a state looking at that, as Ann said, from the Ohio Department of Education and individual school districts or schools. So um, that blueprint for success, success, that fifth goal, whole child, there are four objectives. And I sort of highlighted the one in there. Those are all important. But the school nurse really kind of falls into that third objective where it talks about student health supports. And we take that term health as very broad, as not just meeting their physical health needs, but their mental, social, emotional, that holistic nursing concept that Anne talked about. Okay, so um, student supports, um, then there's strategies under those objectives. And as you can see, once again, I highlighted those concepts in those three strategies that really pertain to the school nurse. So strategy one, uh, we're really looking at in school nursing services to address the physical, the mental, and the dental health needs from a physical standpoint. Um, Strategy two talks about those social emotional learning um, supports that we need to give. And then strategy three is um, how we are partnering with our community, each other in the school, and the state in general to meet those needs. One thing I'm hoping to get through to you today is that we can't function all in our silos, not as our professions, not as our school districts, not as our communities. You know, we all need to look at each other to help these kids. They need so much from us and we can only do that working together. 
So let me tell you a little bit about school nursing services at Kettering City Schools. We are very lucky, I have to admit, in my school district, we have 11.6 FTE um, school nursing, um, licensed school nurses in 12 school buildings. Now, so that looks like almost about one nurse per school building. It doesn't really always work out that way because the high school has like 3,000 students. So actually two nurses are there and some of the smaller elementaries, there's some sharing of nursing nurses. But in general, that is like a very optimal um, number. <laughs> for our school district, and we know that. So, um, and once again, I'm talking up there about, you know, our school nurses provide a holistic approach to our students um, by looking at the physical, the emotional, the spiritual, the academic and environmental needs. We try, because of our staffing, we can develop those caring relationships with our students, like Ann was talking about, the student that needs to come in and just maybe touch base to be able to get through the rest of the day. By having that level of staffing, when a student comes in, you can really assess them. You can assess the whole child so that you're really getting to the bottom, even though they might be saying they have a physical complaint, like a headache or a stomach ache, there might be more as you peel away the onion to what's really going on at home or with their peers or in their classroom. Um, like I said, I work in a middle school, so a lot of it is peer issues that are going, along, going on along with like home issues. And then um, that last, talking about the resiliency and um, that theory, uh, what our goal is, is to find those risk factors through our nursing assessment and then determine what those supports are and where we can get those within either our school district or in the community. Okay, so let's go in, delve deeper into some examples of how we're meeting some of these needs. So students' physical and physical health needs, um, you know, that whole Maslow's hierarchy of need, if you're not meet, meeting those physical health needs, then you kind of lost... Um, lost the battle, lost the war, I don't know which one of those it is, but so you do need to take care of those physical and safety needs first. That triangle, that is the base of that, and I think that's how school nursing got started. I think in, in that Henry Street settlement in New York City where school nursing started, they were seeing that students weren't coming to school because their physical and safety needs were not being met. So we use that primary prevention model um, I, all of you that are school nurses in here know that very well. Um, the three levels of prevention, primary in my middle school, a picture of how that looks. Primary prevention would be when I teach about infection control, basically, how to prevent uh, spreading infections, prevent, pre preventing spreading the flu, preventing coughs, preventing colds. That's all that education we do for every student every day. Uh, since I am on a large campus, there is no way I could get into every classroom. I used to work 
um, in a preschool elementary building. And yeah, I could go in the classroom and teach those programs, which was great. But this is such a large building. So I figured out a way that I could get on the morning announcements. We do video announcements. And then Nurse Joan is up there and she presents a, you know, little three minute, you know, spot on coughing into your sleeve. And these are so important. You just, they seem so minor, but just thinking about what's going on in our world today, you know, with not to bring up a, a topic, but like the coronavirus, our students need to learn these skills so that community spread of infection can be controlled. So these little lessons that you teach every day that seem so minor, they're really, really important. And I hope you all that are school nurses in here realize how important that is. Um, and then secondary prevention. So this is like our at-risk students. So secondary prevention, a lot of times I think about when I do my vision and hearing screening that's required by the Ohio Department of Health in our state and our state law, which is great. Um, so you're finding your students that have vision problems and hearing problems, and then we refer them on to get those taken care of. How can a student learn if they can't see and they can't hear? It's just that that's not that hard to figure out, but it's such an important role. It seems so rote when you're doing it, but it it's so, so important for them to succeed academically and succeed as in life, really. Without being able to read, they're not going to be able to be a good consumer or citizen later on in life. Then tertiary level of prevention, those would be our kids with chronic or acute health conditions. I think a lot of um, like my type 1 diabetic students, um, you know, I am teaching them everyday life skills. In, on my large campus setting, they could have a class anywhere in those seven buildings. They could be, you know, which is about a three minute walk from one side of campus to the other. So they have to carry that glucometer on them. They come from our small elementary buildings where they can leave all their diabetic equipment in the clinic with the school nurse and then just walk down the hall. But think then when you get to this campus setting, we can't do that. If they have a low blood sugar, they can't walk three minutes across campus to get their blood sugar checked or to get their, you know, juice or whatever they need to get better. So I feel this is a way that I'm teaching them life skills that they're going to need the rest of their life. You have to have your supplies on you. And we do this so that, as Ann said, that they have a good quality of life and they don't exasperate any of their health problems as a diabetic. So once again, as a nurse, it seems like kind of a minor thing that we're doing, but really in the bigger picture of things, it's, it's very important to that student and their health and safety. All right, so then um, let's go on to student um, nurse, school nurses helping students with their mental health needs. Um, at Kettering City Schools, we work as a team. We have guidance counselors. We have um, counseling services that come in to the school. It's sort of that school-based health 
approach to care where we're bringing outside services but we give them an office in our schools to provide counseling services so they're using our space but they have you know their own agreements and you know they handle all that it's called like south community inc is the company we use we also have been very blessed that the city of kettering has worked with our school system where we jointly um, fund a social worker that has really helped our students and family connect services maybe it's food insecurity or clothing or we're in the Dayton area, Kettering's in the Dayton area. We've had a lot of families that were displaced by those tornadoes last Memorial Day. So our social worker has been very busy. So basically, going back up to the top there, the nur our school nurses, when a student comes in, we have been piling, piloting this new um, assessment, the whole child assessment tool called the ACEQ, and it helps identify risk factors that may need to be addressed with the student. Not So once again, as I was talking before, we're not just, they might be coming in for a stomach ache, but then we're actually kind of looking at them as a whole child and identifying what their risks are and then determining where we may refer them to, whether it's in school, it just needs to go down to the guidance counselor or in-school counseling, or if we need to get them connected with some outside resources. And then lastly, something that we don't all think about, but we're giving prescribed medication. Every school nurse, I'm sure, in this room is giving some kind of prescribed medication that's helping students with their mental health. Um, I have students that get some medication for anxiety or depression or um, ADHD, you know, behavioral issues. So that's a very important role there, too, that we're administering medications that help that student get through the day. I might have to like hurry along here so we can get to our other activity. Okay, dental health needs us, kind of self-explanatory. We made that part of this whole child, specifically dental, and took it out of just the physical because you can see the statistic there from that 2017 Ohio Medicaid study that it showed that regardless of income, getting dental care remains the most common unmet health care need in Ohio children. So, and there's also statistics about how much time children miss from school when they have unmet dental needs. So what we have done is partnered with a couple different services at Kettering City Schools. Five Rivers Health District, that is sort of our community health center. They come in and check all sixth graders um, teeth and then put on dental sealants if the parent agrees and then the parent has to agree that their child be checked too. We have to get um, consent for all of this. And then we also have a mobile type dental unit come in. They set up in one of our conference rooms and they provide both preventive dental care and restorative care. And that service themselves does all the consents, does all the checking of insurance, they have some grants, so um, it's all we do is kind of facilitate 
that they can come into the school and provide that. So that's, once again, part of that school-based health sort of model that we see happening throughout Ohio. Um, supporting uh, the social emotional learning. This we really work with our counselors um, and the whole system. I guess our whole Kettering Health uh, Kettering City School. Sorry, um, we we do PBIS. I think pretty much everybody's doing that now. Positive behavioral interventions and supports. Our three words are. Um, safe, responsible, and respectful. So we all use those, every staff member. I even use those in my clinic. I have a matrix set up for the students when they come in about how they need to be safe, responsible, and respectful in the clinic. And us all using those terms is really helpful for those students learning how to interact with each other, interact with adults, interact with systems. And, um, so anyway, that's, that's sort of a social, emotional, academic uh, support. Two programs that we do to help um, with the social, emotional learning is Hope Squad. I saw they had a table out here. That is a peer-to-peer -peer suicide prevention program. We just started it this year, so I don't have a lot of outcome data about it. but. Students are selected by their peers, and then they go through training to how to help their peers get help or when they are feeling sad or need some kind of help with feelings that they don't understand or can't manage. And then Redo Day is sort of a bullying prevention program. We do that with all our seventh graders, and that is also a group that comes in and presents the program. The staff is all involved, but um, it helps build respect, take down stereotypes, talks about social media, and is really trying to help those seventh graders build some of those skills to prevent bullying in the school and in the community. All right, so here are just some, of, I've been talking about them as we've been going through, but a list of some of the uh, partners that we, you know, agencies in the community that we partner with. Um, I didn't mention any of the children's hospital. Dayton is kind of in this place where <laughs> we have Dayton Children's, but we also, Cincinnati's only less than an hour away and Nationwide is like an hour away. So we actually use all three of those hospital systems. Uh, Five River Health Centers are those community health centers. And that bottom, um, Kettering Health Network, they have a contract with our school system for athletic trainers and this, you know, that sounds great, but what's really great about it, since they have that contract, they are taking care of our students in those after-school sports and practices, and since we have a contract, then we can get those reports when a st the school nurse can, when they're, you know, they were seen for a uh, hurt arm or leg or a concussion, then we get that information. It's in my mailbox the next day, and so there is this continuity of care that's taking place. So I don't know if that's something you can set up, but we have found that to be extremely helpful to have better information about our students from what's going on in their sports practices and games in the evenings and weekends. 
All right, um, this is my last slide, and there's a lot of words on this slide too, but basically I wanted to talk about how Ohio Association of School Nurses is also supporting that whole child in the state and for our school nurses. Uh, a big part of what we do is um, we provide educational opportunities for all our school nurses in the state. We have an annual conference that provides up-to-date information about timely topics in child health and in school health. And then we partner with ODH for their regional conferences that they do every year. They do three regional conferences. They get around the state. And um, we, we support them on that. And um, we have self-study modules through our partnership with our National Association of School Nurses. And then also we, um, the National Association has a big conference every summer. So when school nurses are off and can actually spend three days at a conference, then they, three or four days, they can go to that national conference. And that's really a great networking opportunity too, uh, where you can see what's going on in other states. I've come back with some great ideas after going to that national conference. Um, then the other thing we do there is, what do I have up there? Um, oh, statewide coalitions and partnerships. So as you saw on that prevention continuum, um, Ohio, you know, as an individual school nurse, you may be a school nurse in a school district all by yourself. And like my school district is great. I have 11 colleagues I can, you know, talk to or work with. But if you're by yourself, it's nice to have that organization or collaboration then that can bring issues forward that you can talk about or take things up to a higher level to the Ohio Department of Education or Ohio Department of Health and kind of help you with that. And then, um, so we, we have really tried to build those partnerships and those um, those relationships. We've also really tried to work with our legislators and policymakers in the state of Ohio so that children's health issues and children's health issues in schools are brought forward and understood appropriately. And then um, I guess that last one is sort of the, that advocacy work that um, you know school nurses are the experts in both school health, well, in both child health and in in school, and we're sort of that bridge between those two systems, the health system and the education system, because that education that we get to get our ODE school nurse license gives us all that information. So it's, you know, Ohio Association of School Nurses will support you with that, and the school nurses are that bridge there for anybody else that's not a school nurse. We are the expert between those two systems and can help you if you are looking for solutions. Okay, so let's see where we're at. We're at 2.25, so we have about 20 more minutes. Um, right, Anne? Okay. So we wanted to do this little activity, but you'll have to get into groups. Um, we wanted to do a tabletop activity about breaking down silos to build resiliency in Ohio's children. Um, I talked about a little bit as I was speaking, silos present prevent collaboration and the flow of information and resources. So 
If possible, if you could get together, and maybe since we have such a small group, even three people together, and look, and we can assign scenarios. I th how many did we put on the paper, And We have four. So uh, depending how you guys want to divide, or we could just divide the room in four. Maybe this front, this front, the first three rows here, the back two rows there, the first three rows here, and the back two rows there. Um, get together, read through, and I guess do like scenario one, two, three, four. And look, read through it. This is not a test. Kind of have fun. Um, hopefully you don't have all school nurses in your group. And... Um, Read through the scenario and talk about what are the risk factors that you see and what are the promoting factors. And in the role that you are, you can either make up, pretend you're a role, or just use the role that you are. And how is that different for each of you? And what do you each bring to that that will help collaborate and help that child in your community? Does that make sense? It, okay, well, there's the directions up here. <laughs> Try it. If you have questions, raise your hand. We'll give you about 10 minutes. You probably only need about 10 minutes. And then we'll take, Ann and I will take questions. We'll go through it and take questions.
Okay, so it's been, we've got about 10 minutes left, so if we maybe just have a spokesperson from each of your groups get up and kind of go through what you, what, read your scenario and then just some of your ideas and then, then hopefully we'll have a few minutes for Anna and I to take any questions if you have those. Or any of the groups can answer questions as well. Okay, group one. So they did a good job of the, what some of the risk factors they identified and some ideas for promoting factors of the school, how the school can help uh, Tom and the attendance plan, hopefully, that will also determine a lot of um, areas that can pr promote him at school and in the community. Very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Okay, scenario two. I think it's this group back here, correct? <laughs> Four-year-old Joe lives with his mother and father. Mom brings Joe to the library preschool play and story time each week. You know that Joe is speaking very few words even though he was warmed up to and plays with other children in the group. Joe points to things he wants and he grunts. Mom is not very talkative with other parents, but she started talking with you about Joe. You've seen bruising on mom's arms and neck. Um, our, our team, we have a couple of school nurses, we have assistant superintendent, superintendent, and a health and PE teacher. Um, so we're kind of all over the board here. Um, the nurses instantly said, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna talk to the educators about how, you know, maybe Joe needs an early IEP. We need to be talking about, you know, what happened with his development. Um, see if we can get some, um, 
um, medical forms filled out so that we can get some information on his delivery and see if mm -hmm. he has any kind of medical information that's pertinent. Um, and when we're developing that relationship with mom and requesting all of this information about Joe, um, we're going to be able to have that rapport built with her to say, hey, are you safe? Like, is this, what's going mm -hmm. on here? Um, we had talk about wraparound services. Great. Yeah, that was, that's really good. Yeah. And it, it, he's young. So hopefully all that with all those services and the early IEP, that would be, be very helpful to that family. And looking at it through the trauma lens, you know, mm -hmm. both the child and the mother and that whole trauma lens, you know, not what, not what did you do, but what's been done with you. Mm -hmm. Very good. Okay, scenario three, I think it was this group over here, correct? Oh, okay, well, you can do one again. Just do one again. You might have other ideas. That's fine. Yes, well, we did have a couple administrators in our group, which I think okay. is a bit different. So um, Good. we each talk about our responsibilities in you know, regards to, to this piece. So uh, for me, I am um, executive director of student Mm -hmm. And we have attendance champions that go out to the homes and they knock on doors when we've already called and sent letters and we're trying to connect students back to school. We don't care if we connect them back to our district, we love that, but can we, and it's always what can we do to help, whether it's transportation, school mm -hmm. uniforms. So our, our first concern with, with, with this student, you know, being a 17 year old, he's already missed 48 hours of school. The law says to HB 410 at this point we should have an absence intervention mm -hmm. plan in place. So we'll go to the home and write that plan with the parent and we'll bring the rest of the team with us to make it happen um, and to really try to put things in place to remove the obstacles to get that student to school. So that was just one aspect of uh, everybody. Yeah. So if we can... <laughs> 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 anything, yeah, anything else that our other group can I just shared that even as an administrator, I, I think it's, I do believe that the nurses and a lot of times the school secretaries have some of the best relationships with parents mm -hmm. or the most trust. Mm -hmm. um, but as a school administrator, I think that that's extremely important as well. And, you know, I think it's important to ask that, you know, try to talk to the kid, like, what's up, what's going on? You know, like, you care for, the, you want the best for the kid. And if they realize that, they're more apt to share also. And then you can start trying to figure out what the problem is so you can work on a solution. And we did talk about the value of having a nurse in every building. Both of our districts happen to, to be blessed to have a nurse in every building. Okay. How powerful these ladies and other nurses, um, how, how powerful that role is because they are often our first line of defense and have a, a different relationship Well, thank you. We'll take all that. <laughs> okay, very good. Yeah, that was actually was good. You did the same one because you had some other ideas that added to this group. So wonderful. And then our last group back here. Which number did you end up doing? We did four. They did number four. Okay. <laughs>
She has not received her vaccines to start school this year, but the school has had difficulty contacting her parents. Shelly tells the counselor that her house is crazy, with mom working at night and sleeping during the day. Dad works days, and they only have one car and one mobile phone. Dad cannot answer his phone at work, or he will get fired. And Shelly is sad and worried. She states her parents argue a lot when they are home together. So we are fortunate in our group that um, <laughs> we have a business manager for the city school. Oh, okay. We have a, a school board um, member, and then I'm a school nurse. Okay. And so one of the things that we, I mean, we just talked about what we would do in our own district. Obviously, we think that this child is like seeking attention, seeking um, a friend, looking for somebody to help support that. And that's why they're coming in. Maybe a little bit of anxiety there, because most kids won't say, I feel anxious. They'll <laughs> complain that they have the belly, they have the headache. Um, so obviously, we thought that, you know, definitely they do need assistance. And because a lot of it is stemming from outside and how can we facilitate that outside, we certainly would bring in community involvement in that, besides using the um, resources that we have within the school, meeting with the counselor and that such. Those, uh, um, outlets there but I'm fortunate in my district that we have a social worker mm -hmm. and so this is one of those cases where getting the social worker involved would definitely be beneficial to make sure that she can go out and do the home visits and try to reach dad after work or mom right before she goes into work and that sort of thing excellent yeah. yes um, is your social worker um, hired through you is it a contracted service is she actually, we, and I, I can't speak for her because I'm not 100% sure how they did it. It's a grant. Okay. And so they wrote a grant for her to come and they renew it every year. And she's known as, she's a, a licensed social worker, but she is the family liaison for the district. And it's based off of poverty level. So we have four buildings in our district and she can go to two of the four based off of the income levels in, and the numbers of the kids in that. Those and two does she go like into the home also? She does. She has facilitated going out and doing home visits, taking documents that need signed, you know, help facilitating things. And she's, she's good at, um, even though she's not supposed to be involved in the other two buildings, she's a very good resource to bounce off and lead us in the right direction. <laughs> you know, so. Very good. Okay. So I think we can open for, we have a few, like one minute, I think, till the break. If you have any questions for Ann or myself. Okay. Yeah, we can stay if you just want it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming to our session. Thank you. Thank you.